Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you so much. Well, hello, everybody. How are you? I would just like to personally thank God for air conditioning today. Amen. It is, I don't know what happened. We just got this big, warm wind blowing in. We were actually, uh, yesterday, uh, we were out uh, the, uh, at Camp Crestview, uh, seeing one of the, the middle school camps out there. We had the big tents up to register kids and all these things. And along came the gorge wind and just picked up those tents and flew them across the school. The big 10 by 10 like this. It was great. Uh, well, it wasn't great. It was kind of messy, but... Um, and, and it just got hot, so praise God for, for air conditioning. <laughs> Good invention, Lord. Uh, another thing I'd like to give you guys uh, some praise reports about is I haven't really uh, been uh, able to sit and talk with it, many people uh, since a couple of great things have happened this last uh, summer, one of which was our U-turn missions trip. And our U-turn missions trip, we took 97 people to Spokane, Washington, in 10 vans. Oh, yes, that was quite a sight. Uh, pulling in vans everywhere. We thought Everybody thought we, were, we came from the government or something, every place we'd pull in. And we went up there, spent 10 days up there uh, doing concerts and just all kinds of things, blessing people. And it was just an amazing, an amazing trip. And these were all students, 6th grade, 7th grade, all the way up to college-age students and some amazing adult leaders that had come with us, uh, Paula, and, and just some great people. Um, that came and just really blessed the Union Gospel Mission up there and just made a, a big impact up there. And they want us back again next year, which is a good sign. So, um, uh, and maybe next year we'll bring 120 people. What do you think? Wouldn't that be wild? That would be awesome. The other thing I want you to uh, be excited about, because I am, is tomorrow we have eight brand new first-year ID students showing up. We need to applaud that because these are eight. In addition to the four second years, we will have eight new students, high school graduates, that are basically devoting two complete years of their life to the Lord. You will see them a lot. You'll see them everywhere. Encourage them. Pray for them. But they all show up for their induction retreat tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We go to Manzanita and pray and go hear from the Lord. And then they'll come back and they'll be all of ours for a couple of years. So make sure you're, you're praying for them. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to sit here today. Um, I may get up a little bit. I've had a long, long week, so I asked for the stool uh, to be able to sit here. And uh, I am excited about what we're going to share today and what we're going to experience today because I think God has got something really, really amazing for us. We are all, you're probably wondering why I have these, right? Okay, well, you'll know in a little bit. Um, I'm not going to throw them at you, I promise. Uh, really... We've heard a lot of phrases in our life, and one of those phrases is, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. And like a lot of other cute little phrases like that that we hear and we encourage people with and go, come on, keep a stiff upper lip, and, and, and all these different things, they're often just phrases. And very often, they're far easier, easier said than they are done. With something like a phrase like, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Immediately, some things may come to mind with us, like what if I don't have any water? Or, or a pitcher, or a spoon, 
Or what if the lemons are rotten? Or worst of all, what if somebody dumps a truckload of lemons on my head? Then am I supposed to make lemonade? We feel that way, especially when somebody's trying to give us this encouragement. Well, let me tell you this. The process of making lemonade is really easy. But the other factors are often out of our control, whether we can even get lemons or how good the lemons are or if we have the other items that we need. You know what? Life is like that. Life is just like that. Sometimes to transform a situation, a life, a community, even the world seems so impossible that often we find ourselves wondering, where do I even begin and why even start trying? Fortunately, we serve a God, though, that makes transformation really touchable for us. We're going to take some time to discover that today. And so what I want you to do is I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8 and pray with me as we begin by looking at one very big lemon. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we just pray every time that we open your word, Lord Jesus, that your spirit brings life to us, Lord. We know you're going to do something wonderful here in the next few moments, Lord God, in our hearts. Challenge us, Lord God. Convict us, encourage us, Lord God. And bless us, Lord Jesus, as we see your glory through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, starting right in the beginning of Acts chapter 8, we're going to start right with verse 1. And here we go. Saul was one of the official witnesses at the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church of Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, fled into Judea and Samaria. Some godly men came and buried Stephen with loud weeping. Saul was going everywhere to devastate the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into jail. Not the best way to start your devotions in the morning. Not a great way to start a chapter in the Bible. And not a great encouragement as you are reading through the book of Acts, trying to find out God's glory as he starts the early church. This is a bummer of a statement. This is a hard thing to read. This is one big giant lemon. Saul was, plain and simple, a very, very bad guy. Here was a very unseeming, unseeming situation that was, to everybody, seemed very untransformable. Saul wasn't the kind of guy that you would think, oh, we can get to him. The kind of guy, well, if we just be nice to him. This was, he was evil. It was horrible what he was doing. Haven't you had a situation like that in your life? Haven't you opened some day with some horrible news? Haven't you had some week start with something just crazy like that going on? Maybe a whole season of your life. Maybe it's a pink slip at work. Maybe it's the news of your teen doing something horribly wrong at school. Maybe it's a foreclosure notice, a bad report card. Maybe it's divorce papers. Maybe it's a horrible death or a tragedy in your family. Sometimes the things that we get handed, like this statement, are so horrible and so devastating that we truly do believe it will never change. That it, in and of itself, is untransformable. And maybe, 
some of the situations in your life are truly untransformable. And maybe they are impossible. To transform Saul would have been impossible. But God has made a way to start a process of transformation that is not only possible, but very, very touchable. You guys want to know what that is? Really, it's a three-part process. The first part of it is that it starts with you. Look to somebody and say, it starts with me. No, literally, do that. Look to somebody and say, it starts with me. Come on, Bill, do it. (laughs) Bill's looking at me and saying it. That's great. Now do something a little more challenging. Say it to yourself. Go ahead. Starts with me. That's a difficult thing to start any type of transformation, especially if you don't feel like you're to blame, especially if you've been handed a giant lemon. But there's a beauty in it as well. And you know what that is? It's that we all get a fair start on change and transformation. Because we all get the wonderful privilege of starting with something we all have. Us. Do you realize that? We all get an even playing field with transformation because it all starts with us. And how we see a situation and how we feel about something. We can change that. What that means for us is that that there's no unfairness, there's no disadvantage, and there's no excuses. You may say, well, wait a second, you don't know me very well. I got a lot of stuff. Or you may be saying something like, I don't know how to become what God is asking me to become. Do you realize that God has already made you the new creation that you are supposed to be? According to 2 Corinthians. Did you know that? You are already who you're supposed to be in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Just as a seed contains all that it needs to become what it's going to be. So are you in Christ. It's all there. It's all there. There's just a process involved. Because that process with starting with you is a simple thing. You do it by allowing God to remove what isn't you. Allowing God to remove what isn't a part of who you're supposed to be in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 through 10 says this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what he's saying there? Is he saying, let God touch your stuff. Let him touch the bad stuff. I rejoice that I have Stuff going on in my life and I need to be transformed because if I expose that to the Lord, I know he does good with it in his weakness, in your weakness. He is made strong. He loves your weakness. He thrives on your weakness. 
because he knows that there's something underneath it all. He does really good with your weakness. He does really, really good with your stuff. There's kind of an urban myth of an interaction at the unveiling of the Lincoln Memorial. And as the story goes, the unveiling was quite an event. There were lots of people there. Uh, people were very, very excited. The, the memorials were created by one guy, but it was actually carved out by a couple people, four giant blocks of marble. And, and the story goes that after the unveiling and after the crowds began to die down, there was lots of oohs and ahs as people were trailing off. Some of the last few people there were the cleaning lady and one of the sculptors. And as the cleaning lady was sweeping up and taking care of the mess that everybody had made while they were there, she began to shuffle her way over to one of the sculptors. And she leaned in and she said, How did you know Mr. Lincoln was in that big block of marble? And he looked over to her and he said, He was already there. As a matter of fact, I didn't carve Mr. Lincoln. They simply chipped away everything that wasn't him. Isn't that how God works in our life? He just needs to be able and have permission from you to chip away the things that aren't you and him. Chip away the things. Let God chip away a little at a time all the things that are not you and him because the you and him is already there. Worry a little less. Get a little less angry. Get a little less jealous, a little less selfish, just a little. And you will begin to see a personal transformation process that really isn't you making yourself into anything. It's making yourself less of what you're not. Because you are a new creation in Christ. You do this and you will see the transformation begin. The second part about a touchable transformation is it's it's reflected in your family. Now, what I mean by family is is not just the standard mom and dad and two kids, although that's part of it. It could be two college roommates, a goldfish and three people to hang out with all the time. There's a Greek word oikos, and it's a great work. And what it means is is household. So that's really what I'm talking about. It's your household, whether you're a, a college student, whether you're a grandma living with uncle, raising, you know, your great grandkids, whatever it is. This oikos, this house is what I'm talking about as far as your family. And that is what you're going to reflect in transformation. It must be reflected. That has to be the next step. But how is this reflected? It's really simple. It's reflected by allowing God's standard and wisdom to always have the final say. There's a great passage in Joshua, and I'm, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with it. It's in Joshua 24, 15. And it, and it says this, But if you are willing to serve the Lord, if, you're, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, excuse me, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Really, Joshua isn't talking about me and my family, we're going to work at church. He's not talking about me and my family, we're going to sign up for something. 
We're going to go do something. No, he's talking about filtering every single situation in your family to God's principles and God's words. And he's not just talking about rules. Sometimes we say, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's a good excuse for dad to make a lot of rules. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, everything that comes our way, everything that interacts, we will surrender it to what God says about our situation, not us. Because really what he's saying is, is, is he's saying, would your family rather live and serve the God of what's happened to you in your past? Or would your family rather live and serve the God of what's happening right now in your situation? Or, or will your family serve the Lord? Will you filter everything through Him, what He wants, what He desires, and what He says about your situation? See, it's so interesting that this is from Joshua because Joshua, remember Joshua? He was the epitome of optimism. Think about it. Joshua came on the scene because he stood there with another guy named Caleb when everybody else was bailing because they were scared to death of these giants. And he looks at them and he says, with God's help, we can take them. No problem. Those giants were big lemons. That's what the Israelites found when they went. Giant, giant lemons that were going to kill them. Joshua said, looks like lemonade to me. Anybody thirsty? He was the eternal optimist. And that's how we need to have touchable transformation reflected in our family. Taking every situation. What is good in this? What is powerful in this? Joshua faced lots of problems for sure. But what made him the leader that he was. Was his ability to take any situation and sift it through the standard and wisdom of God. And it wasn't just what he did that made him great. You know what it was? It's what he did with lemons that made him great. That is what will make you great. Not what you do, but what you do with these. I read something from a man named David Horton on a, on a website the other day. A good, a good article uh, that really intrigued me and I want to read it to you. It says this, It is clear that Joshua took the lead in his household. There was no outward timidity, hesitation or question about the role in his family. Inwardly, he may have often have experienced excruciating agony, yet he moved forward with God's will, realizing his first responsibility was for the leading of his family, then the nation. Of course, by viewing the leadership with his family, the nation viewed firsthand the type of spiritual leadership they were being offered in Joshua. Regardless of opposition, situation, or condition, Joshua was willing to simply make God the decision maker. He was willing to make God filter decisions based on what the Lord had spoken. Regardless of any giant, untransformable foe, Joshua consistently and simply said, with God's help, we can take him. Consistently. And you know what? Regardless in your families, in your oikos, regardless of the amount of food you can afford, you can do simple things with your oikos, like coming home and digging for change in the couch to go take your kids out to ice cream. Even if you've got no food in the refrigerator. You can do simple things regardless of of how many jobs you have to work to get through college and pay rent. 
You and your oikos can get up a little earlier and pray for each other before you head out on your day. Those are simple, very touchable things that do bring transformation. Can I encourage you that instead of thinking this will never work, it's too much to handle, I don't know what to do or, or I'm done, would you simply say, me and my oikos, we will serve the Lord, the Lord of optimism, the Lord of blessing, the Lord, if you will, of lemonade. But there's a third part to this. It's very important to know. Because finally, touchable transformation is expressed to your community. And how it is, how it's done that way is by allowing God to mobilize your faith. James 2.26, just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. The personal and family transformation should always be followed by community expression. Can I say that again? Personal and family transformation should always be followed by community expression. Now, we get a little scared. Probably some of you are like, what, what are you saying? What, what do you mean? Uh, we're busy. We're busy. We're busy, busy people. Understood. And often we shy away from too many signups, too many schedules, too many teams, too many registrations, too many emails, too many phone calls, too many things, because we're already a very, very, very busy people. And we see those things and sometimes the impossible task of making a difference and we would just assume stay home and change ourselves. Can I tell you a secret? Did you know you can express your faith without ever being on a team? Did you know you can show your faith and speak God into people's life without ever signing up for anything? Did you know that? You can do it. Now, those things are great and they're there for a reason. And you should, if God tells you, be a part of certain organized things. But don't let the organization or the structure scare you away because you can mobilize your faith without ever signing up for anything. You can buy someone's coffee. You can let somebody ahead of you in line. You can let somebody ahead of you at the intersection. You cannot cut somebody off. <laughs> you can donate some snacks. You can bake some zucchini bread for the neighbor. You can buy a backpack or school supplies this weekend and bring them back for Camp Agape. <laughs> Because the transformation of a community does not come through schedules, teams, or sign-ups. It comes from something quite different. It doesn't even come through zoning laws or politicians or some magic superstore moving in. Or a new mayor or a new coffee shop. It comes from lots of little mobilized faiths. That's what changes a community. Lots of little mobilized faiths, but they must be mobile to work. Remember, you can make all the lemonade in the world, but it doesn't do anybody any good if you never pour it out to drink. It'll just sit and sit and sit. Speaking of lemonade, let's finish by seeing what happened in Acts and this big lemon we started with and see what God did. Lemonade. 
I'm going to give you the instructions on how to make lemonade right now. You start like this. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 5. Immediately following the last scripture that we read, or the very first scripture that we read at the beginning, the giant lemon, this is what it says. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Immediately, those that were persecuted by Saul, having been transformed personally by Christ, and having their family reflect the same transformation, began to spread out and pour out and be Jesus to people. Proclaim Him and be Him from person to person, family to family, community to community. And this happened and spread and spread all the way even to a little town called Damascus. And a man named Ananias, who God simply told one night, Ananias, I want you to go over to Judas's house. Not the Judas, a different Judas. And I want you to pray for someone. Simple statement. Not a big deal. Didn't have to sign up. Didn't have to show, go show up to training. Just go pray for that person. But you see, what's interesting is that person (laughs) happened to be the untransformable Saul who had just had a major encounter with Jesus. He was at a house. He was blind. He hadn't eaten for three days. He was probably scared to death. The man that persecuted Christians and threw them in jail, was out this ho- at this house worried and scared. Huh. Yet because simple lives, families, and communities were touched and transformed a little at a time, all the way to Damascus, all the way to Ananias, Ananias was in a place and ready to hear from God and respond to this simple little request. And here's what happens. Because here's what the lemonade tastes like. Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 20. Tastes like this. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may get your sight back and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and was strengthened. And Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Not so impossible anymore. Not so untransformable anymore. The transformation was really complete, not just because of the encounter with Christ, but also because of the simple lives and families and communities transforming themselves and affecting Ananias. That is very, very touchable. I have to um, bring this to a a point of of reality in my own life. And I want to share with you... uh, over um, 18 to 20 years ago. I, uh, some of you know my story. 
uh, found myself what many would consider untransformable. A uh, meth addict who had left his wife and kids and miles and miles of destroyed lives, years and years, decades. And I ended up at a homeless shelter, Spokane, Washington. And I remember distinctly the first night that I slept there. I remember climbing up into the second bunk, second one from the end all the way down on the right right side in this one dorm room area. And I remember climbing up there and laying down. And I remember the texture and the feel of a certain quilt. You've probably seen them. I remember touching it and I remember I had never felt a blanket so soft, so warm, so touchable in my life. I remember the smell. I remember the colors to this day. Because that smell, those colors, that feel was Jesus Christ himself. Now, what's interesting about that little quilt is that um, that was made by some lady in the women's auxiliary in Spokane. Groups of them would meet together and they'd make these quilts for the men. Now, let me tell you something. Who, whatever lady made that quilt, I never have met her. But I guarantee on a street... She would have crossed the street to stay away from me. She would have looked at me probably and thought, Lord, I'll pray for him. But boy, there's not much hope. But because of what she did touch. It touched my life. You see, her willingness to do something simple to mobilize her faith after being transformed, her and her family. It changed my life. This very untouchable, untransformable man. It touched Saul's life. This very untransformable, untouchable man. It will touch your life and situation. Every untouchable, untransformable situation. By doing simple steps that are very touchable. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. The beauty about all this is that God saw a very untransformable situation himself. As mankind fell away from him back at the fall, he looked upon his, this creation and saw this chasm in between us. Man could no longer, because of his sin, exist with God. So what did God do? Did he walk away? Did he say, can't touch this? No, what he did was he created something very touchable. His son, Jesus Christ. A man, a person, flesh, blood. Very touchable. That same man, that same Jesus wants to allow you To touch on him and his heart that you might have that relationship with the Father as well. If you're here and that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? 
Can Be New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you so much. Well, hello, everybody. How are you? I would just like to personally thank God for air conditioning today. Amen. It is, I don't know.